Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. In a surprise move, President Biden visits Kiev on President's Day and shatters many of the Russian information war narratives in the process. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis is minimizing the threat posed by Russia and their aggression towards their Eastern European neighbors. And James O'Keefe is out at Project Veritas as what some are calling the DeSantis faction's coup succeeds. Will the Trump supporters take it lying down? If you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating and a review on the app that you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe at didnothingwrongpod.com to get our content straight into your inbox. All of our work is free, but we're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that ensure that we can keep doing this important work. Thank you. All the big names in pro-Kremlin media held a rally in Washington, D.C. on Sunday, February 19, 2023, to criticize the United States' decision to arm Ukraine and not simply look the other way while Putin wages a genocidal war in their country. Who all was there? A plethora of Putin apologists were in attendance, including Jimmy Dore, Ron Paul, Tulsi Gabbard, Max Blumenthal, Tara Reid, and Jackson Hinkle. It was a who's who of people who proved there's maybe something to this horseshoe theory. The event received plenty of coverage from Russian state media outlets, and it was roundly mocked and criticized by anybody outside of the Russian, Chinese, and Iranian state media ecosystem. Still, the event served its intended purpose, giving Moscow plenty of fodder for its domestic TV audiences. Then, something rather extraordinary happened. The next day, Monday, which also happened to be President's Day in the United States, Joe Biden showed up unannounced on the streets of Kiev with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. The two strolled down the street while air raid sirens blared in the background. What sort of message do you think this sends to the Kremlin and all their little helpers in the West? Not one they're too happy about. Not, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they went to a lot of effort to have this rally that was very sparsely attended and... It just was difficult to take seriously when you have a guy like Matthew Heimbach, who's been a Nazi and then a communist, and now I think he's a Nazbol, but he's waving a communist flag. And it was just kind of a freak show in D.C. Mm -hmm. And that the fact that, that Biden got there and really nobody knew, no, uh, however many people knew, it was it was really... They were tight-lipped about it. They pulled it off, and, and it's kind of like out of nowhere, there he was. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's such a visual. This guy's just walking through the streets of Kiev with President Zelensky. You've got air raid sirens going off, and, you know, here's Joe just like, whatever, Jack, I don't care. You know, we're going to have this conversation and show you how we feel about your air raid sirens. And yeah. it made the rally look even smaller and more incoherent than it actually was. I found myself a little mystified when I heard about the rage against the war machine rally, as they called it, why they were going to do this rather than potentially taking it somewhere where it might matter, like the Russian embassy. I'm not sure why they didn't protest there, but it seems that they just had to get their talking points in, and those talking points tended to be 
the Russia red brown alliance that these people have going at this point. There's no other good word for it as far as I'm concerned. It's a Russia focused red brown alliance with a side of China. Yeah, and it really was just a pro Russia rally. They're going to say it's anti-war and and that it's it's not they're they're going to say that oh we're going to criticize the deep state and the oh the defense industrial complex the US is just doing this because they want to make money and and Raytheon and Boeing have seen all those criticisms everywhere else this is just about the US making money they don't care who dies or who lives who dies what happens it's just about money and the therefore because we're we're a capitalist country and all we care about is making money that we don't care about all the lives that are being lost in Ukraine as if as if us not arming the Ukrainians and just letting them be mm-hmm. genocided would result in less deaths and less destruction. I mean, the reality is we're helping a country who was invaded defend themselves. And the vast majority of the casualties have been Russian. And so when you really think about it, what are these people concerned about? Well, they're concerned about the Russian casualties, not the Ukrainian casualties. They don't seem to give much thought to how many Ukrainians die, which is exactly how the Russian state feels. Russian lives matter, as it were. They would really like to portray it like there's something that the United States could do about it to make this war stop. But... I mean, really, there's one side that could make this war stop tomorrow if they wanted to, and it's Russia. All they have to do is withdraw and stop shooting. And this yeah. war ends. It's that simple. They, they want Ukraine to just roll over, mm-hmm. to just roll over and die and take whatever the Kremlin gives them. And we know what that's going to be because we've seen it in Mariupol and Buka, and there has been rape and murder and... They have abducted thousands of children and sent them back to Russia for re-education. Mm-hmm. They are burning books that are written in Ukrainian. They are, it is, it is very much a genocide. It is very much a goal of the Kremlin to essentially erase the Ukrainian identity. And we know this because Putin has talked about this and he has written about this and it is in line with the Russian state's imperial ambitions and this, this rally, it was his little helpers in the West who are going to come up with every, Oh, it's the defense industrial complex. It's the, it's the deep state. It's Joe Biden is a warmonger. It's all these things, but really it's just, let's come at this at every possible angle where we can potentially help Russia without Mm -hmm. saying that, Oh my God, we love Russia and, and Putin is the greatest. Although you did have guys like Jackson Hinkle, who the intro to his show is Putin walking down the hallway and looking tough and really badass. And some of it's pretty clear. Some of it's a little bit more. <laughs> they, they don't. They aren't that overt about it. No, but. no. And Jackson Hinkle promotes a philosophy that he calls MAGA communism. And if that sounds incoherent to you, that's not just you. He is a real small-time rich kid from Southern California who has decided that he wants to be famous and he wants to be a right-wing influencer, and this is how he's going to do it. He's going to create a political philosophy that 
doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, good luck selling that to either side, kiddo. I mean, really, the MAGA folks have been pretty, say what you want about them, they don't tend to buy the idea of communism being a good thing. They just don't. And the communists don't really want a whole lot to do with the idea of MAGA. So, you know, again, good luck, kid. Hope it works out for you. But he does have enough backing that he got on Tucker Carlson. Weird. At least once. Weird. Yeah, go go figure. You got to imagine he's got several pictures of Putin shirtless in his bedroom. But uh, and he's, he's probably not even ashamed to admit that uh, because that's the kind of person he is. But he's got some amount of backing from the Lyndon LaRoche yep, the Schiller Institute. Move. Yeah. And, and LaRoche passed away, but the, the group is still active. They're still getting some amount of funding. They've shown up at some events and they've kind of accosted AOC and Ilhan Omar and berating them for not staying true to their anti-war principles. But the reality is, I think, I think some people on the left have, I don't know if they've grown up or that, look, there's, it's one thing to be against the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. You can say the U.S. isn't supposed to be there, but if you're really true to your principles, shouldn't you be helping and defending the least among us? And you look at the size of Ukraine and you look at the size of Russia and you remember that Russia chose to invade this country and really you're you're anti-war well yeah let's let's stop russia let's prevent the genocide the ukrainians are not trying to genocide the russians that the ukrainians are defending themselves and the ukrainians and, are not trying to take russia's territory the ukrainians are trying to protect their country the ukrainians are trying to defend their way of life their homeland from this russian attack they aren't invading moscow or st petersburg that's not what this is they haven't stepped a single toe across the line nor will they this isn't what they're all about here they want to stop this invasion from happening and crimea is ukraine by the way yes yes it is and we've seen a lot of why isn't there anyone on the left that is anti-war and it, it is from the same actors or people aligned with the ones who spoke at this rage against the war machine rally but if you look at a group like the LaRocheites, right? They had a long running relationship with the Russian state going back to the Cold War. And when you remember stuff like Lyndon LaRoche himself teamed up with Roger Stone in 2016, they did some radio appearances together. I remember reading quite a few, or at least a couple articles on the LaRoche website that was defending Donald Trump and, oh, the deep state's out to get him and and this is all a setup and he has nothing to do with Russia and why does Russia even matter? You realize these people have been aligned for quite a while, but it is horseshoe theory. It is very fringe. And there are some, I guess, kind of big names that are associated with this this movement, which, but the actual... The actual real people that were willing to show up to this event was kind of laughable. There really just isn't that much organic support behind the things that they're saying. There are people in the United States who absolutely are, especially on the right, who are getting on board with less funding for Ukraine. And, oh, we have to, we have, we can't spend money in Ukraine because we have to fix this, this, and this here. And they're being sold that 
by the right. And eventually it's kind of those talking points are hitting home. But I, I think if you really look at how many Americans are going to actually side with Russia in any sort of overt way, you might get people that say, well, what should we really be involved? Should we really do this? But I think these people, this event in D.C., they're trying to drag more actual real support, more of an organic following in that direction. And maybe it will work or maybe it won't. But the way that you counteract that, the way that you push back is by Joe Biden showing up unannounced in Kiev and saying, nope, we're here. I'm here. We're not scared and we're not going away. Nope. You don't like it. You can vote for the other guy next time, but this is what we're doing. And I think Biden's done an admirable job of not listening to that kind of noise, not listening and not getting hung up in the daily the daily Twitter wars, the daily information battle that goes on around us. It seems like he's managed to stay completely above the fray and just said, look, Jack, we're going to do this. We have ideas of how we're going to proceed. And if they don't like that, well, there's an election in two years. He's he's tired of their malarkey. Absolutely. No more malarkey. He's not malarkey. And it's really <laughs> great to see, you know, him do this. It's It's been very refreshing. But, you know, speaking of malarkey, we have some statements on the same day, of all things, by presidential candidate who has not declared, but come on, let's stop lying to ourselves about this, Ron DeSantis, where he made some noises about how Russia isn't really as much of a threat to its neighbors. The real threat is China. We should focus on that, that one again. And it's very much the kind of thing you would have to say if you were running for the Republican nomination for president. It's definitely a case of got to say the minimum to make the base happy about this. And I'm sure that that may not necessarily be what he feels, but this is where he's at right now. And this is what he's feeling like he has to say in order to maintain his current political standing. So what are your thoughts on that? I don't think DeSantis is dumb. I think he knows what he's saying. And I think there's a plan behind it. And I think realistically, he was as harsh on Russia as he could be without alienating a large percentage of his potential voters. If he had spoken out against Russia and made any more favorable comments to Ukraine, they would have eaten him alive. They really would have. And that's it's it's sad that that's where we're at. And I know we were just talking about there really aren't that many people in the United States who are really pro-Russia, but if you're going to split the country 50-50 Republican and Democrat and look at the people who are actually going to vote in a primary, which DeSantis has to win if he wants to be the nominee, his voters who are consuming a lot of this MAGA or MAGA adjacent media, they're being told that this war is not that important. There are other things we could be spending money on. What do we really care? And you even have a guy like Rep. Uh, Paul Gosar tweeting yesterday, Joe Biden visiting Ukraine is a slap in the face to every American, especially the people of East Palestine, Ohio. Ukraine is not our friend, and Russia is not our enemy. Shocker. Shocker. Yes, the <laughs> the white nationalist Nick Fuentes adjacent U.S. Mm-hmm. House member says Russia is not our enemy. But maybe that's a little further on the range of 
what's acceptable for the right, but he's he's not going to get guys like Steve Bannon, Charlie Kirk, some of the big names. They're not going to criticize him for that. No. If anything, they're going to cheer. And it's interesting how, you know, kind of like how Kevin McCarthy changed his tune quite a bit on what was going to happen with Ukraine and what we should be doing there. Ron DeSantis himself has shifted quite a bit on this issue. This is from Aaron Blake at the Washington Post. At a 2014 hearing, DeSantis warned that Putin's justification that Crimea was largely composed of ethnic Russians could be extended to other nations and even some NATO members such as Latvia and Estonia. He pressed an Obama State Department official to confirm that the United States would defend those countries from a Russian incursion, as is the U.S. commitment, under Article 5 of the NATO Charter. In a 2015 interview on Fox Business Network, DeSantis criticized Obama for not giving Ukraine both defensive and offensive weapons, saying, quote, If you had a Reagan-esque policy of strength, I think you would see people like Putin not want to mess with us, unquote. At a 2017 hearing on Russia, DeSantis criticized the lack of action after Putin went into both Crimea and Georgia, saying, quote, Russia expanded its influence over the eight years of the Obama administration in malevolent ways, unquote. Crimea remained a focal point in 2018 when DeSantis told Fox News' Sean Hannity, quote, they did nothing when Russia invaded Crimea, made incursions into Ukraine, went into Syria, unquote. That same year, during an event at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, DeSantis expanded on his view of the costs of inaction in the face of Putin's aggression. DeSantis said Putin, quote, wants to reconstitute the Russian Empire, unquote, and, quote, I think he's been a threat for a long time, unquote. DeSantis even gently chided then-President Trump for speaking positively about having a relationship with Putin. Quote, you're better off dealing with Putin by being strong. When Putin sees he can gain an inch, he's apt to take a mile. And, basically, if America's not going to give him any pushback, I think he's going to continue to try and expand Russian influence, unquote. Seems to be another case of Kevin McCarthyism, where he was absolutely right about this, but somehow changed his tune. This is from The Guardian in March 2nd, 2022, so not even a year ago. He has said France wouldn't put up a fight. A lot of other places around the world, they just fold the minute there's any type of adversity. Can you imagine if Vladimir Putin went into France? Would they do anything to put up a fight? Probably not. And it's that same sort of, you know, trope we had to spend the OOs listening to about France. But at the same time, now they're a third-rate military power who aren't any kind of a threat to NATO. But a year ago, they would wreck their neighbors in East, in Europe in a fight. Okay. Yeah, so let me just read out what DeSantis actually said. And remember, keep in mind, this is right on the edge of what MAGA considers and the right more generally considers acceptable rhetoric on the war in Ukraine. So DeSantis on Fox and Friends on Biden's visit to Ukraine said, I and many Americans are thinking to ourselves, okay, Joe Biden's very concerned about those borders halfway around the world. He's not done anything to secure our own borders here. We have a lot of problems accumulating here. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it's again, and we've been hearing that for months and months about, oh, Joe Biden cares about Ukraine's border, but not the U.S. border. And that's a thing like Steve Bannon, Tucker, Charlie Kirk, all these guys have been just beating that drum for months and months since the war began, really. Yep. The next quote is 
DeSantis downplaying the threat that Russia poses. He said, I think it's important to point out, I mean, you know, the fear of Russia going into NATO countries and all that and steamrolling, that has not even come close to happening. End quote. Yes, Ron, it has not happened because we have been arming the Ukrainians and ensuring that Russia will not continue to advance. And as we talked about in our interview with Molly McHugh, Russia doesn't even really have to win. They have to not lose this war in Ukraine. And if we stop arming and funding the war effort for the Ukrainians who are once again defending themselves and fighting for their families and for their country, for their own soil, then, yeah, the threat that Russia poses now compared to a Russia that's victorious or gets peace terms that it considers favorable at this point, it's it's a very different threat. And he there are a few more quotes and it, but it was it was really just all in that vein of he's not going to go full trump on this and putin's not so bad russia's not so bad because desantis is is trying to be the more normy conservative right the the guy that the donors can look at and say yeah you know that makes sense that's okay but he's saying what russia wants to hear he's still helping them and making it easier for them to sell the narratives that they want to put out there. And one of them is absolutely going to be the whole border thing about the Ukraine border versus the U.S. border. Russia's been all over that and officially and by proxies and all this. But if you're going to be the GOP nominee and say, eh, Russia's not so bad and it's not really our business. And, and that's step one to saying, well, yeah, I'm, it's just awful luck for those Ukrainians, but we got to repair this bridge and we got to fund this new anti-woke program that I'm going to back as president. And, and yeah, I just, I just can't find the money to keep arming those Ukrainians. And it doesn't matter how you go about it, but if the, the end of the line for this, this narrative arc that DeSantis is beginning is pulling funding for the, for the war effort, it's taking away military and financial support from the Ukrainians and it is emboldening Russia. And the other thing that, that really gets me about this is he had a few more quotes about, well, the real threat is China, Russia. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're, they're an adversary, but the real, the real threat is China. And to that, I would say, Ron, uh, China is helping Russia and you can't separate the two. A, a stronger Russia means a stronger Iran and a stronger China, and it means a greater threat to us here in the West and to all those who support liberal democracies. And if you think that you can just ignore Russia and they're going to go away, and, well, we'll just focus all our time and effort and energy on China, I don't think that's how it's going to work. I think the best thing for America's geopolitical interests are to continue arming Ukraine and letting them... If the Russians want to keep sending civilians who they occasionally put some army fatigues on yeah. into battle <laughs> and and have them just be slaughtered mm-hmm. and further weakening the Russian state, it's it's a senseless, pointless loss of life. But if Russia wants to go ahead and keep doing that, as far as I'm concerned, let them. Yes. And I think we know the answer now when Russia talks about we lost more troops, we lost more lives during World War II. Well, now that we've seen how you guys fight wars, it's not entirely surprising why you lost so many in World War II. You're like, wow, you just throw meat at 
the enemy's position until they run out of bullets. That seems to be the Russian way of war at this point. And again, if you're right, if if that's what they want to do at this point, if that's where they're at, then this is what this is what needs to happen. And it would be wise of the Ron DeSantis types to figure that out. But sadly, they've got a primary to win, and here they are. Yeah, I, it's, it's like Kevin McCarthy. I know you mentioned that. It's the whole thing is just replaying. It's. Mm-hmm. I think he knows better. I think they both know better. But if they want power, if they want to be in charge, this is what they have to seed ground on. This is what they have to give up. This is what they have to sell out for. And it's unfortunate that this has become so politicized and it's, well, you have to stand on this side or the other. It'd be nice if we could just all agree on this. And it'd be nice if we didn't have to convince people that arming Ukraine was the, the right moral decision and in our best geopolitical interest. But there is just so much momentum on the right that is going against continuing this aid, even if it's not pro-Russia, even if it's not Putin's good. It's, well, it's J.D. Vance saying that he doesn't really care about Ukraine and he doesn't really care what happens there. And that is the sort of sentiment that is not overtly pro-Russia, but it helps Russia. And again, I just, I think it is misguided and I think it's a losing strategy in the end. But right now in this Republican party, which has kind of contorted itself into Trump's image, Mm -hmm. if you want to win, if you want to have power, these are the things you have to say. And it says something to how thoroughly that narrative has penetrated that base, that this is what you have to say. The base absolutely has this in their head, that this is what the situation is with Russia. And if you say anything that significantly deviates from that, you aren't going to win a Republican primary. That's frightening. Yeah, it is. But this is where we're at. Indeed it is. Well, speaking of Republican primaries, Ron DeSantis and the links that you have to go to to win one these days. After two weeks of limbo, James O'Keefe was forced out of his leadership position at the right-wing provocateur group he founded, Project Veritas. At least, he says he was forced out by the Project Veritas board of directors. For their part, the board claimed in a statement that they want to, quote, work things out with James and have tried every route possible to remedy the issues at hand and begin to take the legally required corrective actions, unquote. Whatever the truth, O'Keefe has already left the group, and pretty much everyone in the MAGA movement is supporting him. Not the board or whatever's left of Project Veritas without O'Keefe. The only named people who are backing the board's actions are the extremely online DeSantis supporters. Now, O'Keefe put out a 45-minute video about why he was leaving the group and what his next steps were. So, our mission continues on. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name, and it may be no longer called Veritas, Project Veritas. I'll need a bunch of people around me, and I'll make sure I'll make sure you know how to find me. And I'll quote the when you invited me to New York City and did that little uh, stand up. How how fitting that from. Shakespeare, quote, and this story shall the good man teach his son. We few, we happy few, 
we band of brothers and sisters. So with that, I'm going to collect my things. I'm going to load them into my car. And I hope to see some of you soon. That's it. In this video, he hinted at a possible coup inside the organization and hoped that journalists could figure out why this was happening to him and why now. He didn't single anyone out, but there are three possible culprits being blamed online right now. Ron DeSantis, Pfizer, or left-wing infiltrators. Do any of these options seem realistic or plausible? Well, off the bat, the left-wing infiltrator narrative is <laughs> is is the least <laughs> it's the least plausible because the only basis for this is that someone who works at Project Veritas has pronouns in their bio. <laughs> It's, oh, no. it's laughable. Yeah. Heaven forbid. I, I know it's, uh, gosh, that, that clearly means that the, uh, the group has been thoroughly infiltrated. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's, it's an undercover rat fuck operation. So of course they think the left has somehow weaseled their way. But that really, honestly, the, the person who's most obsessed with the pronoun thing is Tim Pool, which is just, it's, it, it's hilarious to see what the, former leftist or he's given up the game in terms of he doesn't even pretend that he's not just part of the right wing at this point nope. i think six six months or a year ago he would he would talk about the the right and maga media as this separate thing from him that he was not really a part of it and now he's going to tp usa events and he's talking about ben shapiro like he's a <laughs> like he's a colleague <laughs> or or <laughs> It's yeah. uh yeah when you're essentially more extreme than the daily wire I guess fair enough you are part of the right. So yeah Temple was very obsessed with that because he's just he is really mad about those pronouns but that one I think is just it's not real it's not a left wing coup it's it's just people who look for a conspiracy and are just throwing darts at the board. The whole thing with Pfizer saying that Pfizer is what brought down O'Keefe. It comes about because the last Project Veritas sting operation that they did was against Pfizer, and it was thoroughly anti-vax in its goal and what they were promoting. They didn't, they didn't espouse any anti-vax beliefs, really, or go that route, but it was Pfizer's bad, and the vaccine is bad, and it it plays in that whole COVID isn't real narrative that there are plenty of adherence to that on the right. So to me, that gets into the whole uh, kind of some of the anti-Semitic conspiracy theories mm -hmm. where the, the hidden hand of the globalist is going to bring down the, the truth tellers at Project Veritas. It's a soft narrative for them, but it's definitely a narrative that they've put out there. They like to you know, I mean, it plays with the big pharma narrative. It plays with the, we're just the little guys fighting for truth here. Donate your money. Yeah, everyone is against us. So it's, of course, it could have been Pfizer because look at what we did to damage them. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's more plausible than the left-wing infiltrators, but it doesn't still seem terribly plausible to me. And that, I think, no. kind of leaves us with one suspect at this point, and that would be... Uh, yeah, that, that would be that would be the Ron DeSantis pre-campaign. And I still don't believe that that is what happened. I think it is 
kind of something that they have reverse engineered. But man, if the DeSantis supporters didn't want to take a bunch of flack for this, they might want to stop defending the Project Veritas board that just ousted James O'Keefe. So the supposed ringleader of this of this coup, of the the effort to bring down O'Keefe, is Matthew Termond, who was a MAGA operative, who is now, to use their terminology, defected to the DeSantis camp. And he has said that Trump was great, but it's time for something new, and he wants DeSantis to win in 2024. And Termond has not tweeted since February 9th, which is right about the time that O'Keefe went on leave at Project Veritas. And he is... Tierman is taking the majority of the flack here. So my feeling on it is that you needed a bully to take down a bully. And mm-hmm. and Matthew Tierman, he's he's come at us on Twitter a few times. He is very adversarial. He will pick a fight with anyone. He's he's a bully. But so is James O'Keefe. And so maybe that's the kind of guy they needed to finally say enough. We don't want James O'Keefe here. Let's do this without him. And I think it's probable that Tiermann's allies know that he's in a tough spot right now because yesterday Steve Bannon went on the air and said Tiermann, who until recently was a frequent guest on his show, is now banned huh. from the war room. Permanently banned. Not even there is no there's no temporary status here. He's just he's gone. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so <laughs> um I think it's it's a situation where Tierman is in a rough spot and his allies right now, the few he has left, are the DeSantis supporters. And so they are defending him and defending the board's actions and trying to they're they're they've been talking up, oh, the these claims, Project Veritas put out a statement saying that O'Keefe misappropriated thousands of dollars and here are a few examples of what has been uncovered so far by the Project Veritas leadership. This is far from an exhaustive list. It is merely a small representative sample. They say that O'Keefe took $14,000 on a charter flight to meet someone to fix his boat under the guise of meeting with a donor. <laughs> they say he took 60000 in losses by putting together dance events, oh. such as Project Veritas Experience. <laughs> Whatever that is, we, we, we're going to have to look for those yes. and see wow. there's some videos. And there are. There are definitely some dance event videos. I mean, O'Keefe is quite the musical theater aficionado and as a result, you know, thinks that somehow this can all be solved by dancing. Well, I don't know if you – I watched the video of the 45-minute video of him talking about resigning My and right at the end of it. I am so sorry. <laughs> at the end of it, he quoted Shakespeare. So <sighs> – I, I will I will tell you this about the guy. He he puts on a good performance. Mm-hmm. I am not I am not surprised that he has a lot of people who back him and believe him. And whatever a guy like Matthew Tierman is, and he's a he's in the similar vein of Ratfucker, but he cannot put on a performance like this. And O'Keefe he he sounds believable. I don't believe him. But he's not a, as bad of an actor as I thought he would be. Um, so I am not surprised that he went about it this way, that he put out his narrative this way, because the he's he's a he's a pretty good salesman. I am not surprised that the response from the Project Veritas was this 
uh, board was a statement that while they do mention that he took over $150,000 in black cars in the last 18 months, thousands of dollars spent on a DJ and other equipment for personal use, and, <laughs> and quote, hundreds of other acts of personal inurement, whatever that means exactly, who's to say? Ah. But they, they, they point out in this statement, they repeatedly go back to, we would like to talk to James, and we would like to work this out with James, and we did not fire him. He chose to resign. And it comes off sounding kind of pathetic mm-hmm. and kind of desperate. They really don't want him to be gone. They really just, they want him to fix it. But I think, honestly, you look at it, it's like what they really don't want to be gone is the donors. They don't really want the funding to be gone. And I think that they realize that, like, James O'Keefe was that organization. And if he leaves, Project Veritas is done within a very short period of time. And since he decided not to go quietly, since he decided that he was going to, you know, air out exactly what they said to him. Didn't he say something about they offered him mental health counseling or something along the way yeah. too. Yeah. Well, they and they tried to say he was burned out and oh, they just we just wanted him to have a break and but they <laughs> that also had one of their statements where they essentially said, "Oh, look, that nothing nothing has happened to him. Nothing. He didn't the whole idea was saying he didn't suicide himself or he wasn't suicided or Epsteined as they as they might put it and it's like uh, okay, I I mean He's he is fine. Nothing happened to him. And um, yeah, this we're just we're just doing this for his benefit. This is just this is just to help him because he works so hard and all of this. But it, even in doing that, they sort of reinforce the idea that, yeah, this is James O'Keefe works his ass off and has all the contacts and knows all the donors. I and mean, one of the donors that was that was mentioned in that memo that they wrote about the the poor workplace environment and and the criticisms of O'Keefe's leadership. One of the donors that they mentioned him being rude to and and not taking a picture with went out of her way to make a video and post it online saying that this is not what happened. This is not an accurate representation of of what occurred. So I think if you polled even even a hundred right wingers and said name one person in project veritas not named james o'keefe i don't maybe two three four five people could name one person maybe right and you look at how that all went down and you start to realize that like they probably overstepped when it came to getting rid of this guy i mean yeah i'm I'm not having any trouble believing that he did some of what he's been accused of especially the abusive work environment stuff but i think it's not unreasonable to say that all of these guys use their projects and their foundations as their piggy banks to some extent. All of these guys kind of take a real winner go the spoils attitude about it. And the only time anyone cares is when it's a situation like this and they want to actually get rid of this guy. I mean, you look at the NRA, you look at when that leadership fight went down, they accused Wayne LaPierre of a whole lot of the same kind of stuff. No one cares about this until it becomes an issue. And then it's like, Oh my God, we're shocked, shocked, shocked casablanca gif to find out that there's gambling going on in this establishment yeah within the last couple years they've received tens of millions of dollars in funding in part because trump liked the project veritas and liked o'keefe don jr has come out and tweeted support as has most of maga but yeah you're talking about tens of millions of dollars and your complaints are about 
a 10k here and even the whole 150k for black cars i it's it's very vague and like he i would expect a guy like this to have security and that if he's flying around the country like he claims to they're gonna have to rent cars and and I don't know. It's just like, okay, did he buy a private island somewhere? Did he, did, if you're talking about misappropriation, you're going to have to get into millions at this point to really prove that this is some giant scheme and not like the guy built the organization. And yeah, maybe he's skimming a little bit off the top for his own little projects and this and that, but doesn't kind of most everyone it's, it's just, it's not like it's, okay but like you said it's it's not okay but it's what they do yeah it's what they do and it's just not yeah it's not out of the ordinary it's not surprising and it's only a problem when the person that you're going after is a problem and you need to justify it somehow and this looked very uh kind of haphazard and and like they rushed this out like oh we found these these things and we're still but we're still investigating and and there are hundreds of other incidences mm-hmm. just uh hundreds of other incidents just give us a few just give us a little time and we'll come up with something else okay I, you probably will but is it real is it is this really what anyone was complaining about or are you just trying to cover your own ass but yeah 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 yeah, I think it's very clear who's lining up on what side, though. I mean, about the only people that are defending this are the DeSantis folks, the people who have been accused of being part of DeSantis's army of online influencers. And not sure how much of an army it is at this point, but, you know, at least you've got John Cardillo to sell them weapons when they finally do get going. <laughs> uh yeah he can sell them um <laughs> not sure he'll ever get them but i mean he can definitely sell them <laughs> he'll take your money he'll take it uh, it's exclusively people that have backed desantis it is jenna ellis mm-hmm. the former trump lawyer who's now on team desantis it's john cardillo it's max nordow who's been a, a desantis online supporter for couple of years now it's dave reboy who is another one that was mentioned in that uh daily beast article about the about the desantis troll army i don't think this was ron desantis or his campaign coming out and saying ah we must go capture project veritas but i think it's gonna be how it's portrayed and i think it's gonna be part of the the primary fight now i think because they're they're waging a war over it online right now. The Trump supporters are firmly in O'Keefe's camp and the DeSantis supporters, the, <laughs> the, the C team, the, C team. <laughs> the, <laughs> the leftovers, uh, they are backing the board. And if you look at it, there's just so much MAGA has so much more influence and a, and a bigger bite online mm-hmm. right now. And, I don't want to be Matthew Tiermon right now. No, no. I mean, Matthew, we know you've said bad things about us in the past, but we forgive you. We care about you and we are concerned about you. We would like it if some point you would, you know, make a proof of life video because again, you haven't tweeted since February 9th and this wasn't something you could stop doing. So we really, we are concerned. We know who you've made mad and we know these aren't nice people. So if at some point you could like, you know, maybe hold up a newspaper and a video or a photo, let us know you're okay. We we would really appreciate that. No hard feelings, buddy. No hard feelings. Well, no, no, no. Let's, uh, but good luck to him. Good luck exactly. to him. Um, yeah, I, well, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of funny though, because at this point, 
you look at it and what what's that what's his career what's what's left he's been on the project veritas board for years he he was a a big trump supporter and maybe he's in desantis's camp because he genuinely thinks he would be a better candidate and president obviously we don't agree with him and and don't espouse any of the same beliefs he appears to but you have to wonder now does desantis even want him because yeah if the DeSantis people keep doing this, keep backing the board, then Trump and Trump's allies are just going to keep hammering them over this. Like, why would you? Why would you take down Project Veritas for Ron DeSantis? How could you do this? James O'Keefe was was the guy who stood against the left. Mm-hmm. He was he was the bulwark against the liberal woke fake news media, and now you're going to let the communists win. And it's. It's such an easy sell for them. And at a certain point, they're going to, they're going to cut bait on this and say, nah, we don't, this Ma- Matthew Tiermont, we don't even, who? Oh, yeah, I guess we, 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 I did an event with him years ago, but who, I, I, I'm not really a, a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of know the guy, you know? Or if you're Bannon, you have to come out and, you know, outright say it very loudly that, hey, he's not allowed on my show anymore. He's never, he's banned from War Room for life. No one. No one that had anything to do with O'Keefe being terminated at Veritas will ever have anything to do with War Room. This is, this is going to be war. And that in itself sends a message. You are thinking yes. about taking the DeSantis' campaign's money to work for their campaign. You are thinking about being an online influencer for these guys. And the Trump folks find out, oh boy, it's going to be your ass. Yeah, and that and that is a it is a loyalty pledge. It is very much if if you were with this guy, if you were with these people who ousted our hero mm-hmm. James O'Keefe, the MAGA champion of alternative media, well, then you better come out and stand with O'Keefe and stand against this coup immediately. And and this is the this is the problem that the DeSantis camp is going to have that MAGA is big on loyalty pledges. They are big on staying the course with the narrative, with the the talking points that they want to put out there. They are loyal to you if you are loyal to them. And if you go against the acceptable rhetoric, the the line that they're espousing, then they will crush you. They will destroy you. And... It's it's a tough spot because you they they know and there's a reason this DeSantis troll movement has been building steam and I think I don't think his campaign is dumb. I think they understand that they need that groundswell of online support and you need real people and and they're getting who they can get, but very quickly MAGA is aiming quite a bit of vitriol in the direction of anyone who wants to to speak out for DeSantis, even if you want to, they're going to make you choose. Mm-hmm. They're going to make you choose. They are not. And if you choose to be with DeSantis, then you are an enemy and enemies must be destroyed. And if you want to take, oh, well, I just want, I think both would be great presidents and I just want to support the GOP nominee. And no, they have, they have no time for that. They have no interest for that. No. Pick a side pick a candidate and you are either with us or against us. And you're right. Bannon made it clear. I am with Trump. 
and and oh, I may have Matthew Tierman fooled me. I I thought he was one of us, but he's not one of us, and he will never be back on this show. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to think that's weighing very heavily on the minds of anybody who's you know undecided at this point or independent at this point that this is what's going to happen if you cross these people. This ain't beanbag. They play hard, and they are definitely going to make these people either bend the knee or be destroyed if they can. And I, I think when you look with this O'Keefe story and, and you see all the people standing with him and, and you look at the alternative, and if you compare the MAGA media space or even just the MAGA trolls with the what DeSantis has on his side, and it's just not even close. It's just not even the same ballpark nope. I and mean, you're talking about you know the kansas city chiefs playing the the local peewee football team it's <laughs> it's just they they can't i mean not only do they not have the twitter followings and and just all the the numbers behind them but the shows the podcasts the rumble the ecosystem accounts it just it just isn't there and, and this is where people don't get it they're sitting here saying well you know rupert murdoch and fox it's like rupert murdoch and fox sadly, is a very small part of this ecosystem at this point. And a lot of it's downstream from these people. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of Tucker Carlson's content has already been on Bannon Show or Dan Bongino or Charlie Kerr exactly. or a bunch of other guys that are on YouTube and Rumble that you've never heard of. And Tucker's not the only one, but even even uh, like Jesse Waters is kind of the same way. Fox is not the tip of the sphere. There's a limited amount of kind of original content that Fox can put out on their own Mm -hmm. because if they do too much, they're going to alienate their own listeners who are also listening to these other shows. So it's, they're kind of, they kind of have to follow the, the people who are, are further upstream and that's that's just the reality for them yeah it's like call me when tucker endorses desantis call me when tucker actually comes out and you know jumps on that team then it will matter but the idea that like you're seeing vague unsourced stories about how the murdochs aren't backing trump anymore come on give me a fucking break heard it before yeah huh heard it they will get on the train when they need to get on the train they yeah they don't get on the train before they have to no, no, they won't. I I have no problem believing that they don't like him and they don't want him to be president. But if he is the nominee, they'll get on board. Let's don't kid yourself. And that's, well, you can blame capitalism or whatever you want to blame. But if you if you look at the text messages that recently came out in the ongoing Dominion lawsuit against Fox News, and we saw the text between some of the big names at Fox, you had Hannity, you had Tucker Carlson on there, and he called Trump a demonic force who could destroy people. He's, I think he said something like he's the king of, of destroying careers. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it's pretty clear that Tucker is still scared of Trump. And maybe he, maybe he would like to be off the Trump train. I, I'm not I'm not convinced that he would want to, but if he had any inclination to go another way, well, he's, these are his private text messages that he had no reason to suspect would be leaked. And he makes it clear that he's pretty terrified of Donald Trump and what he can do to Mm -hmm. him. He's not in there with them. They're in here with him. 
And that's the reality of the Republican Party. They need to understand that you turned your infrastructure over to a monster. You turned your mm-hmm. your whole party apparatus over to a guy who has no interest in sustainability. This is not a guy who gives a fuck about getting anybody who doesn't bend the knee to him elected for anything. And you cannot draw me a picture of a scenario for a Republican primary where Trump goes quietly if he doesn't win. That will not happen. You know, seriously, walk me through that scenario, please, because I can't fucking see it. And I'm not even just being an asshole here. I'm just seriously. It's like, what? How do you how do you tell me this is going to go down without Trump saying he stole it? I mean, the man dies first, then uh, maybe, the- but that's about it. <laughs> Uh, and but then it's Don Jr. or then it's Carrie Lake picking up the mantle or whatever it is because they can they can take that up and advance their own career. There's a recent interview where Pat Toomey, the recently retired Pennsylvania uh, senator, said that he he thought that if Trump lost the primary, that he would just do what's best for the party. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Come on, man! How do you say how do you say that with straight face? Trump is gonna do do what's best for the party, uh, based on what? Show me one time where Trump ever did what was best for the party. I'm serious. One time. Uh, that's all. One time. You yeah. Can't. Or just anyone else. Trump did did the best for anyone not named Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I can't can't find nope. it. Nope. It's it's about Trump. <laughs> Source guys. not found. Sorry. It's about <laughs> Trump. And if you don't understand that, then I don't really know what to tell you. It's really just about him. And I think that they, they're they riding the tiger. They are riding the tiger. and they, But they're still so desperate that maybe it'll just be normal politics again. Maybe if Ron DeSantis and the... Yeah, no, you no, did this, guys. No. You did this. This is all yeah. you. This is all your fault. This is all the, the choices that... Choices were made. And they were. by those choices, now you have this guy that you can't get rid of. It's like when you take that first loan from the mob. <laughs> Sorry. In more ways than yeah. w- in more ways than one. Yeah. Fuck around and find out. Well, you're finding this is out. This to find out and you don't have to like it, but this is it's going to be fun to watch you guys eat yourselves alive and try and gin up a Biden's too old and needs to retire type of controversy somewhere in the meantime. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe uh Tara Reed can go out there and yeah accusation but it some of us saw this in 2017 some of us got involved in the anti-trump movement or whatever you want to call it in 2016 2017 because we knew how this story was going to go and you just you didn't want to see it you didn't want to believe it you know i can't be that bad but some of us thought yeah yeah it can absolutely can well here we are If you have some familiarity with history, if you have some familiarity of what happens when a guy like this takes power, you can call it hyperbole if you want to. Lots of people did, but I think you look back at it now and it wasn't. I don't think anybody on that side of the fence can really be accused of taking it not seriously enough. Should they have, you know, maybe shot their fire in some different directions periodically? Absolutely. Did they have all the details right? No, but when you think about it and you know, the strategy from guys like Steve Bannon and the idea that there's a zone that's completely flooded with shit and you're not used to a multipolar fucking election environment. And that's, I think, the biggest one was that people in this country are not used to the idea that there could be multiple ways to put out information that help a certain candidate. 
three or four different angles that all help a certain candidate. And they used labels. They used things like the Green Party. You know, it's pretty amazing how it all came down looking back at it. Yeah. No, it really is. It really is. But yeah, none of us were uh, perfect in how we went about fighting this and all the methods and all the targets. We we made mistakes. Lots of people made mistakes. But there were there were people who wanted to help and wanted to fix things and still want to fix things. And there are people who don't. And there are people who are helping burn it down. And some of them are going to say they're on the left and some are going to stay on the right and whatever they are. But the whole idea of the horseshoe theory is uh, doesn't matter as much what they call themselves as to who they're helping. These people have more in common with each other than they do with anybody in the center. It's that simple. Yeah, and we will take the allies that we can get because we need every one mm-hmm. of them. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.